to all our listening audience out there, I want to start with a shout out to Hotaku, who finally watched the Super Bowl after a four-year absence. Jacob, give him a hand. Yay, <laughs> Jonathan. God is dead and we killed him. Wow. <laughs> the only reason you watched the Super Bowl is because you were with some friends. So. Yeah. But you enjoyed it, JQ. And I wasn't even drunk for it. I only had one. How many? Uh, oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Cooper, Cooper Cup is the truth. Let's go. <laughs> Welcome to Pop Culture Quintessentials with Cubed. I am Ruben Kiros. I am one third of Cubed, and I am being joined by two third of Cube. The, the the other third. That's me, Jacob. I know you can do math. I can do math. You know we because can do math. You know, because Cincinnati didn't <laughs> win. The death of Harambe has still not been atoned for, which means at least another six years of agony. Is the death oh, of Harambe? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. I'm JQ. Sorry about that. Uh... <laughs> I'm just contemplating the deeper implications of what's his name? B- B- Joe Baroque? You know, Baroque? if Harambe was still here, he could have played O line for the Cincinnati Bengals and probably done a better job than the players did. <laughs> I doubt it. He just kind of threw that kid around a little bit. Wasn't even hurting him before he got shot. Whoever <laughs> threw him, he like was dragging him. He didn't like he would, he just smash him. You know? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, he wouldn't. He would have been about as effective as the Cincinnati O line. The you know what the worst part would be is that they would have justification to actually shoot him. <laughs> and on that happy note uh, we're going to start the podcast as we usually do with a discussion of the latest news in entertainment and then we're going to get into some of the trailers that have come out recently and then we will discuss what we watch lately which this week we will discuss Peacemaker uh, the latter half and then the book of Boba Fett uh, also known as Mandalorian season 2.5 and we'll get more into that <laughs> Oh, and I will also give my brief review of Uncharted since Jonathan and Jacob refused to watch it. Thank God. There's only there is only so much shit that Ruben can force me to watch for this podcast before I put my foot down. That was the first moment where I was like, I am not going out of my way to watch Tom Holland jump around with Marky Mark. <laughs> All right. Marky Mark can't jump. Come on, man. At this what? point. White man can jump. <laughs> oh my god. And so we're going to start our news conversation with news from the Paramount Investor Day, which is basically where Paramount schmaltzes up the people who give it money to try to get more people to give it money. Um, you know, capitalism at its finest. Um, and, for may- your, uh, and for you people who don't know what schmaltz up means, you know, brown nose, jerk off, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, I can't so. why. <laughs> Um, so they made a bunch of announcements during this uh, uh, investor day. There were a couple good ones. Um, so a third Quiet Place movie directed by John Krasinski was confirmed for 2025. This is in addition to the installment they're doing in 2023 with uh, Michael Chernowski, uh, the director of Pig, who's doing his own little spin-off adaption. 
Um, but you guys, what do you guys think about the continuation of A Quiet Place? It was in my top ten of last year, the second one, so I am all for it. I'm all for they're it. Having, they're having the director of Pig make A Quiet Place spinoff? They are, yeah. That's going to be a depressing movie. <laughs> it comes out 2023. I will not smile once during that movie, but I will probably love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pig, the hidden gem of last year. It was on yeah. your list, wasn't it? It was, because I'm... I'm not a Philistine, unlike you two. <laughs> what the frick? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, John Krasinski coming back. I wonder if he'll wrap up the story with like a trilogy, or if he'll leave it open. He'll maybe probably, he'll, he'll probably wrap up the story of this family, and then other people. Well, depending on what you say next about what else Paramount was talking about, other people will be like, "Huh, potential universe, new families, new lore." Uh, we got, we got, we, we got to maximize on this. <laughs> I mean, we already have a spinoff, so I think, I think you're right on the money. I think they'll wrap up the story of the family in the third one. And that'll be like John Krasinski's horde little trilogy there. Yeah, and then, and then obviously they can, they'll keep fooling around in there. Yeah, forever. and then they can ruin it. Then they can make their Predator two, their Terminator three, their. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I can't think of it. Oh, Halloween H two O, Nightmare on Elm Street remake with Rorschach. Um, 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 Scream. I didn't, I didn't watch that one. Oh, oh, and, and, uh, and, uh, I'm having a stroke, Ruben. Scare, call, all Ruben, of the scare call ambulance. Calling it, Ruben. Ha <laughs> <laughs> So funny. And while we wait for Jonathan to revive himself, uh, also announced was Star Trek Four, uh, moving forward at Paramount. Tarantino? Um, not Tarantino. Damn it. <laughs> so, announced they are currently working on the film. J.J. Uh, Abrams said the plan is to shoot it at the end of this year. Um, and why are they doing another Star Trek with Chris Pine's cast finally? Well, apparently Paramount did market research and determined that there was audience interest still in the uh, crew after Beyond, uh, which had lost money for Paramount. Wow, so, man. They really, you, know, you know how they could have done that? They could have actually looked, got outside, touched some grass, looked at the world, you know? Literally walk out after 2017. Get out of your high effing castle, dude. Come on. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, uh, what? So, it obviously be Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Zoe uh, Saldana, Carl, Carl Urban, John Cho, and Simon Pegg returning. Big, biggest question mark for me here Anton Yelchin. Uh, who yeah. used to play Chekhov, tragically died, I think, back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was, I think it was, it was either 2016 or 2016. Like, right before the movie came yeah. out. Um, I wonder what they'll do with that character, if they'll just write him out, if they'll recast it. I personally would prefer they just write out the character. I don't think they should try recasting it, because then yeah. that just opens a whole can, can of worms right there. Well, they could yeah. introduce, like, a different character, like, entirely, right? Yep. Now, the one sticking note where this could potentially not happen is the fact that Paramount is said to only be entering negotiations with the cast. And they tried this once before in 2018. Um, at that point, uh, S.J. Clarkson of Jessica Jones' uh, show fame was attached to direct that sequel. Um, it would have reunited Kirk with his father, Chris Hemsworth, but that fell apart because Hemsworth and Pine asked for too much money and Paramount said no. So it, potentially, this oh entire my... project could fall apart anyway. I'm sorry, um, isn't... Hemsworth died in the first movie. It was going to be a time travel thing. Oh, god damn it. 
Come on. <laughs> what if J was J.J. Abrams tired of ripping off Spielberg? Thought he should rip off Zemeckis. Is that what it was? Is that what was happening? <laughs> Man, who knows? I'm excited for it. I've liked the Chris Pine movies. I know Trekkies would kill me if I they heard me say that, but uh, I, I've actually enjoyed those films. Which they can go ahead. I would rather Ruben die than for us to not voice our opinions fully. Thank you, JQ. You're welcome, Ruben. <laughs> In respect. I stand that... for I stand for journalistic integrity. <laughs> Jacob, what do you think about the announcement of a new mm. Star Trek movie? It's surprising. Uh, I'm honestly caught off guard. I wasn't expecting another movie with uh, Chris, Chris Pine and crew. Um, Beyond was all right. I didn't think it was like a great movie, but you know, I, I think there's still much. There's much they could do. I think there's there's a lot they can still do with the, with the character. So I'm interested to see what they do. Bring so. in the Klingons, you bastards. <laughs> Bring in LeVar Burton. Bring in LeVar Burton. Do it. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Not gonna bring, bring in the cast of Next Generation. A show and a movie series I have never seen. <laughs> Jesus. I, you know, this Paramount Investor Day, I think there's a larger conversation to have about what they're doing with streaming and IP. There's a larger conversation I would not like to have. Well, there's, we're going to have it real quick. Oh, so, God. Also, uh. announced, also announced at Paramount Investor Day, to give a quick rundown, the new Transformers Rise of the Beasts is the first of three movies. A CGI Transformers film in 2024. They announced Sonic 3 was in development. They also announced a spin-off Knuckles three? show. Sonic 3? Yep, they announced a spin-off Knuckles show. What? They didn't release the second one yet. I know, right? <laughs> um, the TMNT film, uh, where one of the producers is uh, one of my favorite comedians, Seth Rogen, and Jonathan got real pissed when I said that. Uh, <laughs> I almost forgot about that. I felt a new wave of agony and pain just with you saying those words. I forgot they put him in charge of a... Dude, no. No. Well, after the announcement that, that that film releases next year, it'll be followed by effing spin-off films about the villains on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Monster High, a reboot, live-action music. No! Paw Patrol 2 coming out. Blue's Clues movie with all three uh, hosts. That one's okay. actually a little... That, that was exciting. A, a baby shark effing movie. No! Paramount Plus. A door live action series for live for audiences on Paramount Plus. A Team Wolf reboot. Uh, Beavis and Butthead coming back for a Why? Paramount movie. Why? Um, Why? So I think the larger conversation cool. here is what are they? I think the larger conversation is was it was it was it right for God to save Noah from the flood, or should he just have killed us all back then? Because you know what, the, Ruben, the phrase "baby shark movie" has unleashed a primal rage within me. I, Ruben, are you serious? Why? Like why? Why? What uh, artistic purpose? They gotta get they gotta get Alec Baldwin as the baby. I'm not watching the movie unless it's Alec Baldwin as the baby. Oh no! <laughs> better be another. It better be a Boss Baby spinoff. All right. Please. What compelling story can you tell about a baby shark that hasn't already been told more confidently by Pixar through Finding Nemo? I love how we're sticking with the baby shark. Yes, baby. Yes, yes. Because okay, look. For all of those, I get it, all right? Some of those are established IP. They have established media that you can, like, make money off of, okay? Like, am I happy about it? No. 
but from a financial point of view, do I get it? Also, no, but sure, why not? Baby Shark? What? What has there been? What has there been a music to justify video? that? A to music... justify the creation of that? Jacob, Jacob, if you're playing Baby Shark right now... Jacob, turn that off! Jacob, that's copyrighted! Jacob! So, Baby Shark caused JQ to blow out his mic yelling, so we had to do some audio adjustments on this end. Um, but Jonathan, okay, I will answer your goddamn Baby Shark question. No, there is no purpose. It'll probably be a Finding Nemo ripoff that gets away from the larger point I was trying to make about it. Jesus, I didn't know this was going to piss you off that much. Ruben, 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 Ruben. Okay, wait, wait, wait. I want, if the producer of Baby Shark is listening right now, I will find the people you care about most in life. Nope, nope, I'm, nope, I'm, right, no, right. no, 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 and then you can, that, you'll never be the same. You're going to get back home. You're going to want to have a relationship with your kids. Nope. Baby shark in their heads associated with you and your failures. All right. All right. I can I get to the larger point I was trying to make here? Yes, now. go to the larger point. Thank you. The larger point is it seems like with streaming now, all studios want to do is grab every IP they have and just freaking milk the shit out of all of them. You know? Just like the Sonic spinoff. I, I missed one. There was also an announcement. I think I might have deleted it by accident. Uh, three new SpongeBob films for Paramount Plus and then one new theatrical one um, in the next who, how, who knows how long that would come. But my point is we are getting to the point where there's oversaturation of stories already that have been told. Um, and to the point where like the studios want to make these projects, but do filmmakers really want to make the sixth SpongeBob movie? Like, what's where's the artistic integrity? Are we gonna get new ideas? Because even with, like, you can make good stuff in a franchise revival. Chris Nolan did it with Batman when he came back and did that. Um, Ghostbusters, the new one, you know, that was was that a little bit commercial, commercially based? Yeah, but there's still heart in that because Jason Reitman uh, directed that one. Uh, R.I.P. Ivan Reitman, by the way. Um, yeah. Original director let's of Ghostbusters. Let's not forget. Let's not forget Michael Bay's uh, uh, remake of the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. Masterfully done. Very oh, artsy. Yeah. Very yes. Artsy. Obviously. Obviously. No, but like, I guess the point being is, if we're gonna continue down this path where every IP is milked for streaming or theatrical films that are basically gonna be used as a gateway to add to streaming services. Is it going to be, is filmmaking going to be diluted even more than it has? I guess is the bigger point. Again, Marvel has kind of ruined, kind of ruined us. Because I mean, like, they were doing this and they're doing it fine. And their, their, their intent was not to shape the way that the, the way that like the movie industry would look like. But everyone's like, oh, Marvel's doing it, huh? Cinematic Universe, spinoffs on streaming. And now everyone wants to, you know, copy that and, uh. It's a little disheartening, cause I know, cause you know, Ruben, you know that following the Baby Shark movie, we're gonna get Papa Shark, Grandma Shark, and Mama Shark spinoffs. Um, See, you're joking, but I can. There's no way. Yes, that that's could happen. not happening. That could happen. That is not yeah. happening. If they do, okay, I have one request for the producer. If you do a Grandpa Shark, 
movie, can you reveal that he was like part of World War Two to some facet? You know. Oh, all I'm saying. All I'm saying is that he fled oh, to no, Argentina. No, 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 no. Come on, come on, come on. No, stop. <laughs> If they, if they make a Grandpa Shark movie, if they don't have Larry David as Grandpa Shark, I am not watching that. No money. Yeah, but, then he, yeah, but if it's Larry David, then he can't move to Argentina. That would be wrong. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, what are your thoughts on the direction of streaming and the points mm. we were making? Do you have any? Uh, I think... I think uh... They have to find a balance, you know, most, most like, I think, like, streaming services have to find a balance, like, the Paramount and, I don't know, like, those, I guess, like, kind of, like, movie companies, are those movies, yeah, basically movie companies have to find, like, a, a balance to, like, what mo what movies should come out in streaming, what movies uh, should come out in theaters and stuff like that. I don't think they should, obviously, like, release new IP on streaming you know, get it out there in, in the movie theaters. Yeah. And if it's a co continuation of something else that came out in, in the movie theater, then you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put it back in the movies, you know? You gotta, you gotta put them back in the theaters, is what I'm trying to say. So, like... Yeah. So, theatrical release of Larry David's Grandpa Shark uh, is... is real no, I think, so, no. Yeah. I, he's making a good point. I yeah. think we have to make sure that new stuff, new IP debuts in theaters instead of debuts on streaming because it seems like that's the direction we're going yeah. hulu has a couple uh searchlight movies coming out direct to streaming this year uh, and those in the past would have gone to theaters um there's one for a sebastian stan uh movie that i saw a trailer for i don't remember exactly what it was called but that one's going direct to streaming that looks like something that would have gone to theaters back in 2019 in the olden days before Pandemic life. Another like, ah, independent movie. This won't make a shit tons of money. Put it on the streaming service. <laughs> and I hope you guys realize that we have now opened the gateway where we're gonna have to review the Baby Shark movie when it comes. No! Out. No! 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 God no. damn will, it, bro! I will commit on a live on the <laughs> on, on the podcast. Oh my god! <laughs> you will have to. That it'll be a lost media episode on this episode of Quick Pop Quest. Quit. Pop cultural quintessentials of Cube. One third of Cube, JQ, took his life after having to watch the Baby Shark movie. This episode has been lost. And there's like creeping music in the background. Have you ever, have you guys ever seen those lost media channels? I, I've seen them. They're Stupid. outrageous and they just extend the episode so they hit the 10 minute mark on YouTube. Shout out, blame it on Jorge. Let's go. <laughs> Give me a sponsorship, Jorge. Give me a sponsorship. <laughs> he ain't giving you a sponsorship. You shouted him out after I bashed the thing in general. Yeah, because he sucks. But let's go, blame it on Ray. Let's go, my man. <laughs> All right, moving on from the Paramount stuff. I um, refuse to blame it on Jorge. You know? here, <laughs> here is where we look hypocritical and discuss uh, a Disney Plus spinoff series. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so John Williams is returning to Star Wars, ladies and gentlemen and any anyone else listening um so he is going to do the main theme of obi-wan wow <laughs> uh, so yeah two years after he did rise of skywalker man is 90 he is still kick it hard at it <laughs> yeah he recorded it secretly uh, on Lucasfilm's lot last week, apparently. Know, what are you guys' thoughts about John Williams coming back there for Obi-Wan? It's, cool. it's cool. Hopefully uh, he still has some uh, brain left and he can, you know... Jacob, stop. 
I wonder what I wonder I, I wonder where he'll steal from this time. No, I'm joking. No, no, it's just it's it's a it's a it's a it's a well known fact among the among the music stop. It's a well known fact among the music community that John Williams is an amazing composer, yeah. but like a mm. lot of his a lot of his stuff is heavily inspired from things from the past or like like um like if you ever heard of uh, I think his first name is no it's not Mitchell I can't remember but, but Corn Gold he's a famous Hollywood uh, conductor if you've ever heard uh, his score for oh god what was the name of the movie he has Corn Gold wrote the score that sounds almost exactly like the, the Star Wars main theme like years before but like John Williams is still an amazing composer though because he takes that inspiration and he makes something that like leaves it like a cultural impact. And yeah, he's getting older, but I am kind of excited to see what he did for Obi-Wan because they didn't really give him much space to to expand when it came to Rise of Skywalker. And I'm glad that that isn't the last thing Star Wars related that he did. That is true. Anything else. The biggest shame, or should I say sham there, is the fact that that score was nominated for best score when other stuff was out there that year. Oh, <laughs> Alan Silvestri's Avengers score. The name of the um, movie that you were uh, referring to is called King's Row. King's Row. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah. King's Row. What's uh? Did, did you see what Korngold's first name was? Uh, shoot. What was it? Eric? <laughs> Eric, Eric. Eric. Yeah, Um. so John Williams is actually still keeping busy at 90, Jacob. Um, yeah, he's doing. Yeah, his, I, I, he's I, doing know, his, I know you were doing his daily wordles, bro. He's doing his crossword puzzles, bro. He's trying to keep that brain active. You know what I'm saying? Jacob, Jesus, <laughs> um, bro, Jesus, I, I'm joking. I'm literally joking. I'm just saying the man's old, right? Yeah, fifteen years from now, Jacob he is com- which just death upon John Williams. <laughs> <laughs> just to also give a rundown of what else Williams is working on, um, he's composing scores for Steven Spielberg's *The Fablemans* that's due out in November of this year. He's also doing the fifth Indiana Jones movie that's also due out next uh, year, and then he's also <laughs> conducting uh, for the Vienna Philharmonic, the Philadelphia Orchestra, and the Pittsburgh Symphony this year. As well awesome. as as well as the Los Angeles Philharmonic um, in September at the Hollywood Bowl, like he does every that year. That is actually that's Ruben. You don't understand. That is massive. That amount of guest conducting in one year. Oh, for that's sure. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It's John Williams. Him. Of course, he's gonna do a bunch of guest yeah. conducting. I think he's um. I think there's a music festival he's going to as well. I think he might be going to Tanglewood this year. Yeah, that wasn't like, in the Variety article, but you're yeah, probably right. Yeah, that's because right. that's like a student thing. It's like oh. festivals are like things that like I still have to go to one of those. I I have just I've been too nervous to even throw my name out there, but yeah. You should try JQ. One day I will. You should. Not this summer. Next summer though. You're but like, you graduate this summer though. Yeah, it's for young adults. Okay. It's, I've been to, it's people who are like thirty something still go to those things. So yeah, got, you, still, you got time. You got. Time. I got like a good twenty years left of me, young. young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, surprised. Yeah, young now is twenty to forty, I think. Right. Yeah. Young adult, yeah. All right. Next, we're going to enter modern medicine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, modern medicine. Hopefully, more people will listen to you instead of you know listening to Facebook. All right. Next, making the frogs gay. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> uh, next, we're going to enter. <laughs> What I'm going to call Trailer Palooza. A lot of trailers have released since uh, the last recording of the podcast, and we're going to quickly run down through some of them. 
A lot of um, trailers I was forced to watch by Ruben uh, yet again. <laughs> we'll start with Jordan Peele's newest film called Nope. Uh, nope. You know, it only has a one-line summary because it's very secretive. What's the one-line summary? The residents of an isolated gulch town in inland California witness a mysterious and abnormal event. Wow. That could that could that be is the, so vague. <laughs> that could be the summary to third encounter. Oh, first encounters of the third kind. I cannot speak today. This has been my most chaotic episode to date. No, we gave it away. Was it the baby shark conversation? Look. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Oscar winner Jordan Peele's new film. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya is working with Jordan Peele again, which I am excited. Yeah. Fresh off his Oscar win for Judas and the Black Messiah. And we got True Jackson BP representing. You know what I'm talking about. It's Kiki. Yeah, Kiki, Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer. <laughs> from, we watched a lot of stuff that she was in as kids on the Disney yeah. Channel. And then uh, Steven. You... <laughs> it was Disney, wasn't it? <laughs> Nickelode- I'm almost sure it was Nickelodeon. Ah, you okay. fake fan. You fake. This man, he never. I, I, you could tell this man never watched an episode of You're right. You're right. It was Nickelodeon. Whoa. Right. Yeah, right here. Look at that, Ruben. True Jackson VP. What's that little orange? What's that little orange? That's track? a Nickelodeon logo. A Nickelodeon fan. Fake fan. Fake sorry, fan. sorry, bro. I got angry. Because <laughs> Ru- I-, I got so angry that Ruben didn't know that she was on Nickelodeon, bro. <laughs> nah. Also in this movie, Stephen Yuen um, of Walking Dead fame slash Minari. Uh, he was fr- he's been nominated recently. Basically, a bunch of talented people got together to make a. What looks like an alien invasion film from the trailer. Yeah, I, I mean, it looks it looks good. I really like Jordan Peele's work. Um, he knows how to make shit that is funny yet like just very tense at all times. Um, I'm I'm just excited, honestly. What what he's doing for the for the horror industry right now is big, and I. Like it's 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 him and Ari Aster, and I heard that Ari isn't making another movie, another horror movie after Midsummer, which is kind of depressing. But yeah, I would throw in John Krasinski's name in the ring there as well. Yeah. He's done a pretty good job with the Quiet yeah. Place films. That's that's fair, honestly. What he's done with sound design and horror, uh, he's I, I don't know I don't know if I consider it revolutionizing, uh, but I would consider it at least like bringing up some of the big things that people have been missing for years now. It's popularizing, I think. Yeah, it's popularizing what? a lot of trends that have fallen out of favor like for years now. Which is a big deal. Oh in, yeah, no, it's in, massive. Yeah. It's like a it's yeah, it's still a big deal. Like yeah, it, what's wild about Jordan Peele is how he jumped from comedy just straight comedy to horror. And I think in Key and Peele when you go back and you watch some of those sketches you can kind of see the co- where, this, where this came from. Co- did you, the, I, if you guys haven't rewatched it in a while, the Continental Breakfast one. <laughs> where it's like, but sir, you've always been here. <laughs> it's like, I saw it after watching us and I was like, ah, there it is. There it, there it is. There's a little bit right there. Jacob, uh, your thoughts on the Nope concept trailer or whatever you want to talk about? I am excited for, because it's another Jordan Peele movie. And as uh, we've seen, you know, his movies are damn good, bro. Every time I've gone to see, to, to see like, well, a, a movie by him, which is only twice, but um, it's good. It's good. I know I phrased that poorly, but. No, whatever. you're you're good, Jay. Yeah, we're excited. 
We're excited and I uh, can't wait to see it. It's okay, Jacob. We're not trying to win the Pulitzer or anything. You know? Exactly. Yeah, that comes in like five years when we really hone down oh, this yeah. format. Oh, I bet. I Baby. bet that's going to happen. Uh, that's really going to happen. Five years from now, that, that, five years from now we're probably all going to gonna, gonna be... Um, Jonathan, shut up, bro. Shut up. Yeah. Underwater? Climate change is real. Climate change is real. <laughs> All right, the next trailer that I forced everyone to watch because it was a wild concept. Uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Um, I'm not even going to give any information on this one before letting Jonathan go off. It, it looks good, man. I, uh, okay, no, no. You think I'm going to go off. That's hilarious. I actually kind of enjoyed it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I think it's kind of a. It's I mean, like it's doing something different. It's quirky. <laughs> it's not like it's not like other movies. It's kind of quirky. No, it's like um. I kind of <laughs> like. I like what they're doing. I like what they're doing. I like the. I like the concept of having these kind of like animated characters, and one of them is like full CG. I like the. They're playing around with form, which is which is what I like to see from movies like this. It feels like it feels like it's harkening back to Roger Rabbit to some degree. Is it gonna be Roger Rabbit's literally as... in the trailer too? Yeah. Is it gonna be as good as that masterpiece? No, but like it looks <laughs> like they're at least trying to capture that feeling of like, okay, how can we do this in a meta way? How can we examine the history of animation? How can we use this to not only celebrate like like our past but also make fun of it or like bring light into it or bring light into like the direction that the movie industry is moving into because the entire concept of i think it's chip the entire concept of chip being fully cgi <laughs> while while dale is like <laughs> animated or like animated cgi yeah. i kind of like that i'm not gonna lie i like i like that idea yeah the yeah. reason i decided to talk about this trailer is because of how nuts it looks and how meta it looks oh, oh, and i'm shocked that something I, like this is coming out of the disney company okay i see ruben nuts okay yeah because all right because they're chipmunks okay ruben. oh my god all right we're gonna lose so, we're gonna lose so many viewers after this one <laughs> you guys are gonna make the editing job a hard hard one That's we're gonna lose five viewers because of this ruben <laughs> All right, and then we had John Mulaney playing Chip, Andy Samberg playing Dale in this. Um, I don't know if you knew that. I recognize John Mulaney's voice because it's very hard not to recognize John Mulaney's voice. I didn't notice it was Andy Samberg, though, until, like, the credits came out at the end. But, yeah. And I heard the, the whole trailer at, like, a low volume, so I didn't even recognize any of the actors. <laughs> What's next on the docket? Next Robin? on the docket. <laughs> 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 looking forward to Chippendale, honestly. I'm looking forward to it. All right. I'm so sorry. Next on the docket, <laughs> the new Jurassic World Dominion trailer came out. I think it looks pretty good. You, you, you are a stupid consumer, is what that tells me. You let, you let a trailer with kind of like like with, with good music, returning cast members, and okay CGI make you think. Oh, the sins of the last movie have been forgiven. No! Dorime Pacham! Dorime Pacham. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Miserere nobis! Jesus. Breaking out the Latin JQ, please, Luis. 
Jonathan, the last movie is terrible, but Jesus, I you every movie deserves its own shot. And this one looks like it's composed well. It looks like the returning cast members are used better than what they did in Star Wars because they actually had them all together. Why do you not like the trailer, like specifically? Specifically? Because I think it's it, Ruben. It is made to like awaken people's nostalgia. The music is made. It's like that That's low, true. droning music to get like emotion high. It's like not giving too much away about the plot. It's Ruben. After the last movie and hearing what you two thought about it, I refused <laughs> so to watch it. it I refused to watch it. This is like a last ditch attempt to get people interested in the franchise. They're like, let's bring back Sam. Let's bring back Laura. F it, Jeff Goldblum. Let's have it. And didn't it also open with like the monologue from the original Jurassic Park movie? Yeah, they had John Hammond. Exactly. They're, they're Ruben. Ruben, you <laughs> brainless consumer. They Damn. are tickling your pockets. They are tickling Damn. your pockets. Nostalgia isn't inherently a bad thing, okay? There looks like there's artistic integrity, at least in how the shots are composed on this. The visual the visual effects in this are already better than yeah, the last yeah. one. Like I said with the last film, it looks like this is the film they always wanted to make, Dinosaurs in the Real World, and they had to write a terrible convoluted plot to get there. But now we're getting the better sequel, I think. I think no. this has a shot of being good, personally. It should have like just a pretty good shot. This. They should have just opened with this. They How would they this. explain the dinosaurs getting loose? F it. Say that they broke out of the park, dude. Like what? Are the you park's doing? an island. That's why it was convoluted to write a plot to get the dinosaurs off the island <laughs> into a illegal market, and then have some little clone girl. <laughs> They're, Let them loose at the end. That's the created, plot of the second movie. They created a crude suspension bridge. Look. Oh, that's a no. That's a reference no one's gonna get. That's from the critic. <laughs> what babies? <laughs> Jacob, what are your thoughts on Jurassic World Dominion? Jurassic World Dominion. Um. Well, you know, um. The 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 last movie was was ass. So, uh, if all that movie was set up for this movie, you know. And it's actually good. I'll actually be happy, you know. I'll, I won't dis. I, it won't disappoint. I don't G think it'll disappoint. Jonathan, you are way too hard on this trailer. I think. Uh no, no, Ruben, no, because getting back to our conversation about IP that we were talking about yeah. with the Paramount thing, this is just another example of someone trying to make money off of an old IP. It's true. And it's like. Look, it's like, it feels formulaic. It feels like they put this into an equation and like, how do we maximize profits? Dinosaurs <laughs> in real world. Bring back the old cast. Put John Hammond speaking over the trailer. Put some emotional music in there. You know what I mean? Have Chris Pratt, uh, uh, Chris Pratt, known Trump supporter, a guardian. <laughs> well, Jonathan, after a bond with, with, with a raptor. <laughs> Jonathan, after they lost everyone, after like the last movie, they need. They need to get the nostalgia back up. You know what I'm saying? Like that—that that was the strategy. You it's, know, they're like, we can't appeal to the brains anymore. We have to appeal to the heart. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I think I think it'll be good. Personally, I am going to stick with that. I I almost want to make a bet with you. If yeah, okay. The... okay, hey guys, hey guys, hey guys. When to our audience members, when Jurassic Park Dominion comes out, it is inevitably either mediocre or absolute shit come back to this come back to this i'll leave space right here for you to laugh at ruben right here 
Jonathan, you piece of shit. Yeah, you can laugh. No, keep laughing. No. <laughs> you're tired. You're tired. You're tired. You're laughing at him. Point at him. Say, ha, ha. Ha, ha. Laugh at him. Come on. They might be laughing at you, Jonathan. You know what? That's okay. <laughs> Jonathan, I will bet you a cool, nice Jefferson, a $10 bill, that this movie scores over a 70 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, Hamilton, Hamilton. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. No. You need a Jefferson to $10. They all father got... without a father, Ruben. They all PCS white boys. Of course, <laughs> I'm going to mix them up. Okay, that's fair. But Jefferson was, a, was like a horrible person. Yeah. Ob- objectively. Thanks for writing the declaration, douchebag. We'll take it from here. <laughs> <laughs> all of them have their effing flaws. They're all... Not... Like all people do. I have flaws. You have flaws. Jacob. Oh, boy. We could we could do an entire podcast episode talking about the deep intricacy. Intric- Why are you blowing raspberries? Because you're talking trash. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, bro. <laughs> After all your whack ass opinions today and all your whack ass comments, you're gonna talk trash to me? <laughs> Jesus. All right. Jonathan, $10. This score is over yeah, 70% a, on Rotten Tomatoes. A Chris Jefferson, if you will. <laughs> a Chris Hamilton. What do you say, JQ? $10. Pocket change. Pocket change. Of course, I will. I, I will throw my money into the fray. <laughs> if it gets anything over a 70%, Easy. no, 70% or over, you got to pay me $10. Easy. Easy. Okay, virtual handshake. Right here, 50, 50, 56% is what it's going to get right now. I'm telling you right now. Okay. And our final trailer that we're going to discuss is the new trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Que locura. Uh, this movie looks absolutely insane. I'm just afraid that it's going to be like a cameo fest and nothing more. I don't know. I, I have confidence in the cast. I have confidence in Sam Raimi as a director. And I, I mean, I have just established confidence with Marvel in general. And it looks visually stunning. Like, I'm very excited for the visuals in this thing. But like, I'm just afraid, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid plot wise, because even Benedict Cumberbatch was kind of like, I don't know if I have much of an arc in this movie. And I was like, uh, that's a bit worrying. <laughs> yeah, they had to do four to six weeks of reshoots for this one. Um, so it could be a mess. It also could be that they're trying to stick in more because COVID got in the way. They're like, uh, I bet you we can stick in Hugh Jackman's Wolverine and Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool if now, we try hard enough. they do have a good creative team after Scott Derrickson left, unfortunately. Um so the the writer is the showrunner for Loki, Michael uh, Waldron, the the screenwriter. Yeah. And then obviously we have Sam Raimi villain bringing his visual style to the MCU, which the is the creator what, of the greatest superhero movie of all time. <laughs> which honestly, honestly, the visuals in the trailer look better than most of Marvel's uh, cinematography. Yeah, because Sam Raimi's visuals are actually really good. All but the lighting, aside. the lighting in this thing, the, the composition of the shots, I mean, yeah. I was like awestruck. I'm like, oh, so this is how these movies can look. Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to accept shot, reverse shot, shot, reverse <laughs> shot. Even the shot, reverse shot looks good. Like there's a scene in the trailer where Wong and Stranger talking in the Sanctum Sanctorum. And just yeah. the lighting there 
on Doctor yeah. Strange when they cut to him well, was insane. Yeah, I, this is what I want out of Marvel now is more experimentation with the form that they've that they've established at this point. Please, for God's sakes, Disney, let at least some of your IP experiment. Not everything has to be a slam dunk financially. How much money do you need, man? Come on. And if they're giving away what they have given away in this trailer, aka the Illuminati, a uh, potential return of Professor X. I mean, what are they holding on for the movie? The zombies, also yeah. the, the Marvel zombies are in this. I think what some people's theories are that, and I kind of like this, the idea that the Illuminati is a, a group of like, of uh, people of like Marvel characters outside of the MCU trying to like cut off the variant that is the MCU timeline because of all the damage it's caused. Ooh, that, that, that would, would be, be kind of cool. That shit. would be meta as shit. That would be insane <laughs> if they did And there's that, also like, rumors that most of those suckers die out in, like, in a pretty, pretty intense sequence as well. What, the Illuminati? Yeah. That the, Damn. Yeah. The big rumor of this movie is that the marketing is going to be deceptive and that the main villain of the film is actually Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet I think, Witch. I think that's what it's going to be. It looks like yeah. it. Yeah, my bit. Jacob, your thoughts on the trailer? In the uh, I think it's a little wild. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I didn't really follow what the hell was going on. There's not, there's not, really, like a, <laughs> not really a plot, you know? There's not really a structure. It's just like a bunch – like kind of what you guys were saying. They, they dropped a lot of uh, – lot of cool stuff on us but it's just like i mean the shots are cool and all that but i'm not sure about the the plot so we'll see the plot is my biggest concern with yeah. this and, and that they actually have the characters have meaningful moments in it i mean i got a little abated for wanda in the trailer because you kind of see her back in the house from wandavision and it looks like she's gonna have an arc in this i am more worried about stephen strange hopefully he isn't a What's that called, Jonathan? You you're, you took literature like a protagonist that has stuff happen around them, but they don't change at all. Because I, I think that, I that I, there, there is a term there's there is terminology for that, but I can't remember exactly what it is. Well, I think for a movie like this, that won't really work because yeah. it seems like he's dealing with most of the shit. And if it's just like cameos and those characters have meaningful moments along with Wanda and Steven doesn't change at all, I don't think the movie will work. Yeah. Um, but I am very interested to see what happens there with that film. Whose phone keeps ringing? That's my phone. I'm sorry. Take it off the table. You're polluting off the, the table, audio. Bro, I'm You're sorry. polluting the audio. I'm sorry. You're polluting the earth with your breathing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, and that's it for the news. Um, <laughs> there wasn't a good segue off of that, honestly. You guys are, you guys are out of pocket today. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know what else is out of pocket, Ruben? Your money whenever nostalgia rings. You know what I mean? Jurassic Park yeah. Dominion. All right, moving on to what we have discussed lately. Uh, or, sorry, what we have watched lately. We are moving on to what we have watched in Yay. the pop culture, pop culture. zeitgeist. Uh, first, I quickly want to talk about the new Uncharted with Tom Holland, which I watched last night uh directed by my namesake ruben fleischner wow. so of ruben, venom fake so ruben, great movie or greatest movie 
You know, <laughs> I, I, probably it's hard, it's above hard. Uh, hard. Indiana Jones Last Crusade, a little low below late. I'm kidding. This movie isn't that good. I was, I was like, um, wait, what? <laughs> wow, that good. Um, the the I think the weakest part of this movie is unfortunately the script um, of the movie. The the treasure hunting and the backstabbing and all that stuff does not make sense at all. Mm. Um, there is a sequence in this movie where. Tom Holland, uh, Nathan Drake, and Chloe Frazier, played by Sophia Ali, are in an underground uh, cavern um, and then up on the surface of Barcelona. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is looking for the adjacent uh, little keyhole that they're looking for, and he walks into a Papa John's restaurant. It has a full ass fight in a Papa John's restaurant. So that just tells you where this movie's coming from. Dude, um, you know what would have been better? Is if is if as the ruckus is happening, you hear these massive footsteps on the back of the Papa John and you're hey, who's wrecking my Papa John's? And they're like, Shaq! <laughs> Shaq? And then he gets some action in there. He does some Shaq fool, you know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> I'm about to show you why they call me. I have to show you why they call me Shaktus. But no, they choose you. No, but Mark Wahlberg is not Sully at all. Sully's written terribly in this. It's just Mark Wahlberg being a dick, which he does in like nine out of ten movies he's in. I bet you he's an actual dick. I'm going to right now. Yeah, he is. I'm going right now that if we ever met Mark Wahlberg, he'd probably be like, "Yo, f your life." Damn. Tom Holland actually was cast properly, I will say, in this movie. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. He could have, with a better script, he could have nailed Nathan Drake 100%. There's even moments in this where I'm like watching it and I'm like, that is Nathan Drake. Just. Wow. He's a great actor. He's also a fan of the series. Like, he's he a is. fan of the, it's one of his favorite games. Like, the action for the most part's okay, Damn, but it's not as good as the games. It is not as good as the games. Uh, the settings can't control it. <laughs> uh, and, you know, <laughs> and it feels like a cheap carbon cut out of the games because the games are like awe inspiring in their settings. But Ruben, and Ruben. the movie is just like cheap sets. It feels like in some moments. Ruben, the, there's some cool. moments where it looks cool, like when they find the ships. Magellan ships were the treasures in that. Oh, that shot looked good, really good. Good settings, all right. The, the games have a fight in a Papa John's. No. <laughs> Inferior. <laughs> Inferior. You're telling me. You're telling me. You're telling me that Sully in the game never takes a big juicy bite out of a papadilla, and says his iconic line. Now that's a tasty papadilla. <laughs> 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 That's his iconic line. What? His iconic line. What the hell are you going on about? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the other actor, the other actor who's really good in this, I will say, Antonio Banderas uh, played wow. the the treasure hunter, the Hollywood, rival treasure hunter. Hollywood, please start giving Antonio Banderas more roles again. Don't just cast him again when you inevitably remake Zorro. You know, no, you know. I was watching. There's a scene where uh, Tom Holland is discussing. Um, an artifact. The, the first scene he has with Antonio Banderas, and they're going back and forth, and I just sat there and I thought, you know, Antonio Banderas probably could have been a better Sully for this than Mark Wahlberg. Oh my so god. So if my mind if my mind went there, uh, you just imagine like what was going on. I bet you Ruben was uh, was like, you know what, you know who would have been a better Sully? 
Freaking John Goodman. Bring him, bring him in. Oh my god. John Goodman would have been great as Yeah, song. what the wait, hell? I, wait, yeah. actually, I was just making a monster. No, that's no, no, John, John Goodman. I would have worked. John Goodman could have played Sully. Look, I think anyone but Mark Wahlberg. Move over, Sarah Haley Finn. Here I come. <laughs> I think the only reason Mark Wahlberg played Sully, he wasn't cast because he it's good was looks. like, no. He was a, this project's been in development for so long that at one point good. Mark Wahlberg was supposed to play Nathan Drake. Oh my god. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> that that would have been disastrous. <laughs> that would have been actually horrible. Oh my god. Wait, no. no there, wait. There's been, and this thing was nuts. I, I'm looking online because I'm curious. Three, four, five. There were six directors attached to direct this movie. Uh, before that, uh, let's see. David O. Russell, Neil Berger, some of these names you'll know. Berger. Seth Gordon, Sean Levy was attached at one point. What the hell? Dan, Dan Trankenberg, and finally, the one before Ruben Fleischner, Travis Knight was attached to do Uncharted. That would have been a cool freaking movie. God, did it? Is that Travis? No. God. No, because no one can make cookie cutter blockbusters like Ruben Fleischner. <laughs> God, his only look, his Zombieland movies are great. Beyond that, eh. His filmmaking Damn. output's been eh. Ruben, you know what would have been hilarious though if you were like, why is Mark Wahlberg even in this movie? And instead of a Papa John's, it's a Wahlburger, and you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> it all makes sense shit. now. And then it the last thing I want to comment about the plot of this movie, really the treasure sense. hunting makes no goddamn sense. What? No, no, like, you'll play through an Uncharted game, hell, National Treasure, if we're talking movies, or the Indiana Jones movies, and you'll be able to follow along with the treasure hunt, and oh, this makes logical sense why they left these clues like this, and this, 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 this. Here it's like, what the hell is going on? This makes no goddamn sense. Goddamn. Like, why would Mark, for example, Mark Wahlberg has to unlock the, the keyhole in the Papa John's, which used to be a different structure, but then the other key has to be un sent underground, and he throws it down a sewer hole that's there. Um, but, you know, back in the 1800s, 1700s, 1600s, it's probably... The most proper thing. How the hell would they get the second key down there? Like it's stuff like that where you're thinking, oh, because the sewer holes can conveniently there. It wasn't there probably like three hundred years ago. Ruben, the catacombs, Ruben, the catacombs. You never, you forget about the catacombs. I see you. Also, you know why it makes no sense, Ruben? Because like, in a world where wall burgers exist, why would you need treasure? Treasure the moments that you get when you die into a juicy Wahlburger, those pickle chips, American oh cheese, lettuce, God. tomato, the special uh, Wahlburger sauce. Did you look up their ingredients, bro? No, I'm, I'm coming up, up with this. Yo, Mark Wahlberg, you're listening. We would, we would very much appreciate a sponsorship from Wahlburger. I will shill out to anyone. All right? Listen. <laughs> Anyway, this <laughs> this thing's doing well enough box office wise where we're gonna get another no! one. No, we're gonna get another one. Um, all I ask, my big request, one Ruben Fleischer. Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I think I think he could pull it off with a better script. One, hire a effing screenwriter who actually cares about Uncharted. Two, get a director who is actually a visionary and not Ruben Fleischer. Three, let the producers 
which apparently included Avi Arad, take a step back and not and not have that much of a say because this feels like one of those committee movies. No, it's okay. The action was good enough in this movie. Tom Holland uh, did a decent enough job where I was entertained. I will give it a six out of ten, probably. Wow, that's generous. It's I thought it was, I thought I never I didn't watch it, but I just got the sense that it was incredible. But no Wahlberger, no Shaq and Papa John. <laughs> That's going to be a 2 out of 10 for me, all right? All right. Um, we all collectively watched The Book of Boba Fett, uh, which has finished its uh, season one run. Book of Mandu. The Book of Everyone Else. <laughs> the Book of Everyone Else, which, yeah, that's the meme I sent you earlier. I'm sorry. I'm depressed that that show, for me, like the first four episodes, they were good. Like, I enjoyed it. I enjoy seeing Boba Fett. Adventuring with the Tuscans and whatnot. That was cool. That was but a cool is it sad that it, it didn't pick up until Mando showed up, which was just kind of depressing to me. Like, come on, man. What? Yeah, what bummed me about the show? I was enjoying the past flashback with the Tuscans way more than the present uh, story. And I think so I've seen people point this out online. I think one of the biggest issues with the present plot is. Bubble Fett says he wants to take over Jabba the Hutt's criminal empire, but then does no crime the entire show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he wants. It should have felt more like Godfather. Disney should have had the cojones to have Bubble Fett be a morally gray character, yeah. but they did not. They just made yeah. him a reformed individual, which could have worked, but I feel like in that case, tell the story. From when he gets out of the Sarlacc pit in chronological order. I feel like yeah. doing this Godfather 2 thing did not work where they were cutting the past and the present. Because yeah. the past stuff was way more engaging. Especially episode 2 out of those first four. Talking about the one with the train? The train sequence. Yeah, yeah where they're chasing yeah. the train. And that's one of the best Star Wars action sequences yeah. I've another seen point in a that while. He, the, uh, another, yeah, it was. Another good point yeah. that I heard about the present plot, plot line is that he's talking about taking over Jabba's criminal empire... Uh, and like all of most Espa, and yet we only see like one like square or like one block of most Espa. We only see him interact with like this limited amount of characters, like this small like neighborhood size of characters. And then like it's like we all respect you, Boba. At the end, and it's like uh, man, I think I think part of that is the constraints of the volume set they use. Yeah, because they. If you, uh, the listener, does not know, um, these film, these Star Wars uh, shows, they developed this thing called the volume, which is basically green screen but live, where like the actors are acting against a screen that has the setting on it, and then they build a set in front of it. Um, so they're using that, and then obviously they can't build a huge ass set in front of that thing. Yeah. So I guess that's why it is confined to this one street, couple streets. Um, but yeah, I agree. Because you in the wide shots, you see this big ass metropolis, and you're only in a couple of areas of it during the show. And then um, you're, you're you're just kind of like in one little, you know. Jacob. Oh, Wampra! Yeah. Look at him hop. Jacob, your general thoughts on the book of Boba Fett? Um, like I said, the first few, like I I, I liked the Tuscan part a lot. Um, from like the first few episodes, but like I, I agree with you guys when you say that, that it really picks up when Mandal the Mandalorian shows up. So, I mean, just overall, like the show itself and what they were trying to go for kind of failed. But like, um, I think I think 
there's still a good product here. There is know? a good product here. It's not it's not it's not what they wanted probably. This is not what happened. Yeah. I wish we could have brought Ruben Senior in to give his opinion. Yeah, honestly. Uh, father. It sounded like he had some funny thoughts on the entire thing. Yeah. Um my favorite part, because we watched the last two episodes together, yeah. is when Boba Fett finally shows up after a two episode absence, we just started cheering. As, a, as yeah. an ironic joke. Let's just talk about the latter half of this because that's where most of the conversation yeah, because is. because that's where is. the good stuff happens. Because like, it becomes a Mandalorian like little mini arc here at the end of the season. What they should have done is they should have made this an ensemble piece from the get-go. 100%. As soon as it becomes an ensemble piece, it's so strong. You know what I mean? I think, I think that Disney is confining themselves with this idea of like, having to focus on one character because the mandalorian is fine but we didn't have to have book of boba fett this could have been like an intermediary like an like an intermediary chapter where like you you go back and forth you go back to the people of freetown you go to boba fett doing his thing you go to mando doing his thing you go to freaking i can't remember what the character's name is but the one that's played by princess caroline uh <laughs> um you know the like the yeah yeah Amy Emmy Hendaris yeah her character is great like all these things can give you coming together are um, like it's like as soon as you get to the last three episodes of this show you're like oh my god like Disney Star Wars is picking up look at all these characters that I actually care about now like uh, Peli Moto is uh, the character yeah, but like you have all these like suit like really strong characters and you wait to use them to the end. And speaking of which, spoiler alert, full disclosure, Cad effing Bane. <laughs> yeah, we're going to go into full spoilers for this one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. yeah. No, but that's where the good stuff is with this I was about show. to say, we cannot talk about this without talking about Cad Bane. Because, like, like I don't, I don't mind how his arc ends in this. Because when you take it... I know, look, because I, I stopped watching Clone Wars when I was a kid around the season after Cad Bane was introduced, so I had at least had some connection to the character, and I knew how ruthless of a, of a person he could be. Um, and I know his history with Boba Fett and all that stuff. So, like, where he ends up at the end of this show is fine to me. I'm okay. I'm okay with it. It makes sense. He has a long, a long arc. I mean, he's been in Rebels, Clone Wars, and now Bad Badge. So, like, his character is getting a lot of development. But I feel like this would have been a much, much more interesting show if you would have introduced him with the Pikes earlier on, you know? Mm -hmm. I think... Had, if you is... would have had this opposing force to Boba Fett from the get-go, a famous, a, fa a fan-favorite character. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that would have yeah. been incredible. This is an issue, I think, with most of Disney's uh, television output. Uh, another discussion I've seen in general online. And it's true. If you look back to uh, Hawkeye... Um, they brought in Kingpin for the last episode instead of building him up. I think they're trying to do this thing with like twist villains um, where, oh my God, the villain is this person. I never saw this person before. Um, or, this or episode. Like, oh my, yeah, it's like, oh my God, it's crazy. This is one of my favorite characters and I hadn't seen him until then. And it's because this is a, a, a bigger problem with Marvel, Disney, whatever, is that like the, 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 the culture of secrecy is stupid. It's stupid. Like, why have Andrew Garfield be like, oh, I, I wasn't in Spider-Man. I was never, I was never. And now you have, like, Patrick Stewart denying the fact that he's in, he's in Multiverse. Like, why? What's the point? Yeah, you have Patrick what Stewart, actually, you have yeah, Patrick Stewart is, saying, uh, 
they use a voice imitator in the trailer and people have been doing that for him for years and basically saying he has nothing to do with the new Doctor Strange, which, you know, it's literally his voice. Like, you can tell it's Patrick Stewart. Yeah. I'm shocked he came back after Logan because he had said he wasn't going to, but apparently he is. Money. I think it's because it's technically a different version. <laughs> Wait, it's what? Money. He it's said money, money, bro. Jacob said money. He want to get that like, money, bro. Sir Patrick? Sir I Patrick? I refuse. Man? I refuse to do another movie. Do you have that in hundreds? <laughs> <laughs> But getting back to the book of Boba Fett, um, we're yeah, just picking up. So those first four episodes, like I said, flashbacks really work. Um, where he, they're telling the story from when he gets out of the Sarlacc pit to when he's wandering in the Namubian, no, not the the <laughs> Tatooinean <laughs> desert. It's because there's still the Boo Starfighter in Episode 5 that I'm mixing up in the Boo and Tatooine. Spoilers! Spoilers! <laughs> he said booby. <laughs> um, yeah, but the story just from the point where, you know, he's just out of the Starlight Pit to when he's wandering in the desert. And that entire arc was good. I enjoyed that. Yeah. The present stuff, though, when he's trying to take over the Empire was a little... Falls a little flat um, until Cad Bane shows up in the last episode. Which is why I think they should have had him from the beginning. It would have been a much better show. Like, I still enjoyed it. Like, it was, yeah. still, it was a fine show still. Yeah. The finale was... I, I, I really enjoyed the action of the finale. I really enjoyed... This soon, it's crazy. I'm telling you, it should have been an ensemble piece. As soon as they started bringing these other characters in, it was like, oh my god, this is great. Ahsoka, Luke... By the way, they've improved Luke's uh, young Luke CGI. Scary, scary. Yes. scary well, no, no, no. But this is scary tech for our future. If you think about it, yeah. It's How close we're getting to uh, emulating a young man who lived as a young man like thirty years ago, because Mark Hamill been old for a while now. Yeah, that means they can cancel us a lot more easily. Uh, Mr. Kiros, is this not a video of you? Punting a puppy and then slapping a baby in the face. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you joke, it, you joke, it, but it's true. Is it altered? I think not. <laughs> but I want to talk about the Mandalorian season two point five aspect. Uh, specific, uh, specifically episodes five and six of this thing. The best episodes of the series. Which is unfortunate. It's it is bad. unfortunate. Um, I'm at the point specifically where I don't think we need another season of Book of Boba Fett. And that's yeah. a little sad, because I think Boba Fett could have been an interesting character yeah. to explore. Yeah. But I don't see a point in doing more story with him if they're not going to have him be an active character in his own thing. Yeah. Also, This they... thing ends with a scene between the Mandalorian and Grogu. If you think about and the music from the Mandalorian kicks in before they cut it to credits. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. It does not end with Boba Fett. It ends with the Mandalorian. Like, he's a better, he hijacked the show. Because he's a better character. They, they made him a yeah, better character. I don't know why, though. Cause... Let's be real. What has, what, Boba, Boba Fett, and the, you, you see, I think my main problem with this show, too, is that they should have leaned more into Clone Wars, I think. Because Boba Fett in Clone Wars, that's like the most development that that character has, has ever gotten. 
you had if they had if, and there's like a f- few flashbacks of like a young Boba Fett. I almost forgot about that. Even. Why not lean more into that too when you? Go yeah, that was like flashbacks. a loose thread. They never actually connected. Like he's seeing flashbacks yeah. of his father flying off on a yeah. What I don't even remember the name of the planet, but the, yeah. the water planet they were on. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, but like, like no, but there's so much. There is so much amazing character work done for Boba Fett during Clone Wars that they could have easily brought in. And if you're bringing in Cad Bane, too, it's, it's there's that's literally a bridging path. Because those characters have a history, and I those, who have... Yeah. They do, yeah. Because I, who have never watched Clone Wars, I could tell they have a history, but they're not really diving into this no. much. Yeah. And then, you know, they kind of end the arc here, and yeah. then you're like, huh, I kind of wanted to see more of yeah. how these two are connected, maybe form like a rivalry where Cad Bane's yeah. around for like a season. But I guess they only wanted to do a one season thing with this, because clearly if they, they were... if they wanted to do that, they should have introduced Cad Bane from the beginning. Yeah. But the Mandalorian stuff, as I uh, was saying, really good. Bryce Dallas Howard's episode, episode 5, great character study of yeah. the Mandalorian, and I don't know, he's grappling with his faith, and then the attachment he has with Grogu and how those two things are how they're you know conflicting with each other how he wants to follow this way he grew up with but at the same time he wants to connect with this individual he's met now later in his life um I don't know really it's deep especially for people even like people involved in religion and stuff that that's really deep conversation that people have he gets called an effing apostate in this thing. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Not the first time I've heard that word. <laughs> and then episode six is basically what everyone wanted episode eight to be, which is Luke training uh, a Jedi. So yeah. you, so that itch was scratched finally. You get to see that in live action. Yeah. Um, and that was great. But again, biggest problem with the book of Boba Fett is that it wasn't really the book of Boba Fett completely at the end of the day. It became, uh, to use a term I've heard online, Star Wars the show probably would have been a better name for this thing. Yeah. Ahsoka comes in for a bit, does her thing. Luke's there. Um, I mean, Cad Bane, Mandalorian, Grogu. There's a lot of stuff going on here. And there's a bunch of these characters, Ahsoka, Luke, uh, Grogu, who never interact with the main character. Which, which tells you a lot about what's going on if you have in all these side plots where the main character never connects with it. In a, in a, in a, show in a meaningful book, way, yeah. yeah. In a shortcut. So, like, I feel like this show is a... is um is a good case of, like, is the whole... is the whole, like, worth the sum of its parts? Because the parts of this thing individually... Terrific. I really love individual moments in this thing, individual episodes, individual action sequences, uh, even though it, it contains, like, even though, like, one of those parts is the slowest high-speed chase I have ever freaking seen. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. The no, one where they're, cha- they're chasing the mayor's assistants. Oh, on the, on the motorbike. That was just so underwhelming to me. Like, it was so slow moving the way that it was filmed. But, like, there's some great moments in this. But, like, as a whole together, like, it, 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 it kind of detracts from it. As as, if you're not a big fan of Star Wars, I would not recommend watching the entire thing. I would recommend 
Because I think you can still get enough of the story watching from episode 5 to the end when it becomes yeah. the new Mando show. And just watch it as a Mando season 2.5. If you're a big Star Wars guy and you love all the universe, 100% watch the show. It's worth it. But with so much content out there nowadays, I cannot recommend that you uh, spend of- 7 hours of your life watching the full thing. Just yeah. watch the last two and a half hours of it. Um, yeah, overall, you, yeah, sorry. JJ. I was going to say, if you're one of those Star Wars fans who collects the figurines, you know, builds all the <laughs> Lego sets, you got a Princess Leia body pillow, you're going to love this. You're gonna, or you're going to hate it, actually. Now that I think about it, most of you assholes are toxic as shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, final thoughts, gentlemen, before we uh, give our final ratings to this thing. Oh, I was I was ready to give my final thoughts. Uh, Jacob, so final if, thoughts uh, on Fett? I think the show itself, you know, picks up at the end, and I really enjoyed, like, the final few episodes. So, like, I'm going to give it a good rating. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. See, on the whole, I think this thing is probably a 5.5 or a 6 out of 10. But giving the latter halves 5, 6, and 7, I'm going to give that its own rating because I feel like that's the most fair. Um, That's an 8, those last three episodes. So, like I said, watch those last three, and then... Yeah, if you want to watch the whole thing, watch the whole thing. But that gets like a 5.5 or a 6. Just because yeah. it's not really the book of Boba Fett. Damn, Ruben really did just steal my point. I was actually going to say some shit exactly like that. I was going to say, as a whole, probably like a 5.5 or a 6. Like, uh, I did enjoy my, I did enjoy it. Did I watch it only because it was, it was a requirement for this uh, week's podcast? Yes. But I enjoyed my time with it. Those last three episodes are really good. I won't give a separate rating for them but like they're very very good i very much enjoyed them but yeah the show wasn't anything really to write home about and it's kind of depressing that it that it is like that but i mean eh. mando season three i'm excited for it though yeah (laughs) the more interesting (laughs) character covered in armor unfortunately hell even like to mention it real quick even fennec played by ming na wen was more interesting than boba fett in this show unfortunately yeah yeah uh, all right, moving on to the last topic we're going to talk about today. Peacemaker. Peacemaker, Let's baby. Let's The superior of the two shows we watched, in my opinion. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think it was that close, honestly. No, but the latter half... It's more cohesive. It's more of a cohesive show. So. Yeah. James Gunn, this was his first television. Jesus Christ, he knocked it out of the park. I'm I'm actually impressed with what he did. It should be his last now. television. Wow. <laughs> I'm, joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. No, it's a it's a great show's great. Uh, John Cena really showed an emotional range that I don't think any of us saw coming. Um, no one, I didn't know John Cena could act like this. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, he showed some potential in that firefighter movie that he was in a few years ago, bro. Playing with fire. Playing with fire. Such a a great movie. You've never seen WWE when this guy's like, oh, he hit me in the head, but he wasn't actually hit. He was fine. (laughs) Wrestling mistake. Wrestling is fake. Outcomes are fake. Those people actually get hurt. Oh, no. They're athletic as shit, too. Like, I'm not devaluing what they do. That shit is hard. I couldn't do that shit. Most actors couldn't do that shit. The microcosm of Peacemaker is the microcosm of everything James Gunn has made in the comic book genre. Let's grab these wacky, obscure (laughs) characters no one knows about and see what makes them tick. Um, Sprinkle in comedy to draw in the audience but then drop in some deep-ass truths in the middle of it. 
whether it's character truths, whether it's social commentary, but just dropping those truths in the middle of this comedic action package. Yeah. And he just does it so expertly that, Jesus, I don't know how many other filmmakers are capable yeah. of pulling stuff off like this. However, I will say, mm-hmm. I will say, I'm going to hate me for this. And we can have it. Yeah, right. But, like, the, the thing with James Gunn is that, like, he relies a lot, a lot on hu- on humor and like setup punchline, setup punchline. And he likes to go really out there and he likes to like really work on a setup. The problem in, in a long form that um, okay, well let me finish my thought then. Yeah, yeah. But he also pairs that with like really heartfelt moments, like which we've talked about uh, on our first podcast podcast episode, talking about the first four episodes. Yeah, I it was. we did the first half. Yeah, the first four. Like, I mentioned that, like, James Gunn in a long form is a bit harder to take at times because sometimes you'll have a lot of this humor and the heart won't come in until the next episode. And, like, and, like that's okay as long as the jokes are funny, but sometimes the jokes are kind of, like, they're, they're re- he's really reaching with some of these. I know that some people are kind of upset with Guardians 2 with some of the jokes there yeah. and with some of the running gags. Yeah. Like, it didn't bother me. I've never really been bothered by James Gunn's humor until this show where it's like, okay, that was unnecessary. We didn't need that one on top of all the other ones. The one that I always go back to is episode six. There mm-hmm. was just this dumb-ass Hamburglar joke. It made no <laughs> sense. Like, even, wobble, even, wobble. That did make no that, sense. You hear that in, like outside of context, and you're like, surely it makes more sense in the show. It makes less sense in the show. Why this dude is like, no, no, no. These, these men and women, you know, who were violently killed. It was the Hamburglar. It's like, what the, what, what? Like, what? I'm like, I couldn't That kid was just crazy. That man was like a psychopath, though, and he played it really yeah, well. Yeah, he did play it really well. Um, yeah, I kind of want to, I want to see him in more stuff, honestly. I don't know if I, I don't know that actor, but I'd like to see him in more stuff. Yeah. But um, like, I think the strongest episode of the second half Hell, maybe the entire season, episode six, um, in general, was my favorite. Uh, just how it, it's like where the show reaches the climax, I guess. It, it's I think it's pretty close to the climax of the action. I'd say, like everything starts coming, everything starts colliding here. Like all these threads that were loose through the first five episodes just all culminate in this really epic moment in episode uh, six. Uh, with the song monster playing in the background and oh yeah you yeah. have the butterflies enacting their plan and then peacemaker's dad and his gang of nazis starting to enact their plan just like uh, uh, the escalation what, what, of everything white supremacists okay not nazis no nah, they're not they're not they're, they're straight up dude I, I they straight up salute one of the nah. straight up yeah. does the salute when when uh when uh when a uh, white dragon walks into his car he's like hey dude how's it going Casual Hail Hitler. It's like, what the frick? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, another great ep- uh, scene in that sixth episode is, uh, shoot, what is the actor who played Murd's name? Um, oh, God, he was amazing. He was amazing. Yeah. He was, he was one of the best players um, in the show. Let's honestly. see. If not the best, honestly. Yeah, he was really good. I'm not... I, yeah, I can't pr- try to pronounce that name. It's hard. Oh. Um, it's really hard. No, it, he's he's a Nigerian-British actor, and I feel like I'd be doing a disrespect to him if I tried saying this name incorrectly. Um, <laughs> but he was great in this. He's also going to be in Guardians 3 as one of the main uh, 
antagonists, I think. Mm. And I think going off what he did in episode six, which was a really complex scene. So he he's a butterfly, and basically the butterfly is remembering the memories that Mern used to have because Mern's gone because the butterfly took over his body, and just like the emotions that he was juggling in that scene uh, were brilliant. Um, yeah, I really want to see more of him. And then the entire cast did a good job, I feel. Uh, JQ, what do you think? Yeah, I really enjoyed the work of the cast. I think they they brought a lot of heart to this thing, honestly. Each yeah. one of them. I really buy the dynamic. They have an amazing chemistry together. Like, and never felt it never felt to me like these people would not get along in real life. And maybe they don't, but like, I mean, the work of an actor is making that believable, and they made it believable. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought because walking in, I really did not like the concept of the show. And then, I, I, as I mentioned in our last podcast episode talking about this, it kind of started turning me over. And by the end, I was like, yeah. Like, what is it my favorite thing in the suit that the superhero genre has turned out? No, there are a lot of other things yeah. that are, like, very, very good. And we've, we've gone to, like, new heights with, with new productions. And I'm excited for things like the Batman to come out because I know that that's going to push it even further. But this is – it's good. Like, not everything has to be, like – not everything has to be like a like the best version of something to to be enjoyed. Like it's enjoyable as is, and it goes through some very interesting themes, and it handles some very yeah. like cool character development. And you know, I enjoyed my time with the show. I really enjoyed the Guardians films that James Gunn did, but I have really liked his DC work a lot more, shockingly. And I really? think that's just, and I think that's part of that's because it just is unfiltered James Gunn. Because they're yeah. able to do the R rating. And I feel like James Gunn as a person works best with that R rating. Um, he does a great job with those Guardians movies. Like, they're some of my favorites in the MCU. But I just feel like he's taking it up, like, another notch. Uh, moving over to DC and working with these yeah, characters. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Suicide Squad, man. I mean, that just creatively, that was a breath of fresh air. I mean, I know I had it number two last week. I'm not going to gush about it uh, again, a second time, but that movie <laughs> was a breath of fresh air for the genre, just because of how well it handled the tightrope of this is a comic book story, but at the same time, here, here's the emotion and the complexity. Um, you know that that's not really done you, much. I will make you cry as rats attack a giant starfish. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, that just says everything you need to know. How the hell does someone write that and make it good? The answer is uh, James Gunn wrote it because I'm going to tell you there's probably so many filmmakers in Hollywood who could try to write something like that and it would never work. Yeah. It end up yeah. being like the room. It would be yeah. that bad. But James Gunn made it work. Jacob, uh, closing thoughts on Peacemaker. I had a lot of fun. A lot of fun with this this show. I'm not, I'm not like I, I didn't think the uh... – it would work honestly i was i was in the same boat with jonathan uh, and like in that they didn't really need to make an, a show with john cena's character from the suicide squad but uh i am not <laughs> disappointed with what they what they uh produced you know it's a great great time uh the opening i don't know if we talked about the opening in other episodes but that that yeah, opening we did. Yeah. yeah yeah we did great great opening one of the best openings i've seen for a show honestly um and it just like sets the whole mood um and i mean although i uh there are some points in the plot you know that are just kind of like 
there just to give like uh, the audience like a laugh and in, instead of like actually you know going deeper with the, with the you know like with the characters themselves like I, I think just as, as a whole like this show is it's a, it's a, it's a fun watch it's you know it's a, what's, I, yeah yeah what's crazy is this entire show comes from the one moment where Rick Flag tells Peacemaker Peacemaker what a joke and they just made an entire show out of his emotional fallout from that. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically what that is. This yeah. is that show. This is the show, which is insane, but they pulled it off. Um, another talking about openings. Um, I do want to talk real quick. The opening of episode seven, um, where you see, uh, what happened to Peacemaker's brother and like John Cena's mm. emotional reaction to that, and then the emotional reaction John Cena has, uh, later on in this same episode, um, when he does something else. Yeah. Um, that I don't want to spoil. I don't want to give it away completely. But just, I mean, wow. Just the emotions of that. How, and he, let, James Gunn, in the opening of the episode, he lets it breathe. Like, he doesn't, like, stick in humor as you would be expecting when this heavy event is playing out yeah. in a flashback. Um, and I really appreciated that. Um, Jonathan, you have any final thoughts on uh, Peacemaker? I mean, no. I, I said what I, I, I spoke my piece. Oh my effing god! <laughs> you did that on purpose. He did, you did that, that on purpose. purpose. Come no, on! No, I didn't. No, I did. That was an accident. That was an accident. All right. Overall, I will give Peacemaker and nine, nine out of ten. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I really enjoyed it, Jacob. I'm gonna give it a seven and a half, or eight, maybe. Okay, JQ. I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. Yeah. Also. Before we close out, before yeah. we close out, I forgot to mention for Book of Boba Fett because it is worth shouting out two little things real quick. First off, our boy Ludwig. Oh Ludwig. my God, yes. Ludwig How do we not Gorson. talk about Ludwig Gordonson? This man is just—he is like speed running the music industry. He is a big, <laughs> he's a, he's a amazing composer, a big producer for like people like Childish Gambino, and like his soundtrack for this. For this show, a bright spot. A bright spot in Book of Boba Fett. Like, the, the, yes. the main theme and the soundtrack, amazing. Uh, and then secondly, something that I've always loved about Star Wars that I, I, I would be remiss to not mention before closing this is just the wonderful marriage of of um, uh, practical effects and CGI. This is, like, what I want to see more out of Hollywood. I want to see, like... The combination of things that, like, they look real, they look tactile, they look, uh -huh. like, solid with things that are revolutionary, like that that new technology of, like, the reflective technology that they have for CG for, yeah. to, to make these shows possible. Like, I really enjoy that combination, and I wish people like Marvel uh, would, and DC, too, I guess, to some extent, would go ahead and do more practical work. But that was my last thought. Uh, we can close it out now if, if we want to. All right. Also, also, uh, 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 I would like to remember because it has been quite a, a while since we mentioned it. Baby Shark. No, I'm sorry. Gra <laughs> Grandpa Shark starring Larry David. Okay. <laughs> yes. Grandpa Shark starring Larry David. Why did you put that out? Why did you put that out in the universe? Make, make it. Make All right. It next make time, it. please. On our next episode, we will be discussing the Batman. Uh, hey. And I am excited to see that. I still need to get tickets for that. You fool. You'll, you'll find them. You'll find them. I'm kidding. Uh, All right. Jacob, close us out. Close us out. Oh, yeah. um, well, you know, I 
it's a, it's a Saturday, so go outside. Get, get your get your get your uh, get your steps in. Touch some grass. Touch some grass. Touch some grass blades. Uh, maybe watch a little bit of the All Star game. You know, because it's this weekend. Um, and uh, that that is to say that this will come out during All Star game weekend. Uh, and Ruben's editing skills and chops will you know come through. But anyway, now you put pressure on me. Have a it's... have a good day. Have a good day. Yeah. A good weekend. Everyone and, have a uh... good day except for Ruben who has to edit this and listen to all, us maniacally raving for an hour and a half. <laughs> all right, peace out. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out.